Poets and Scholars. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And holy shit, I'm so excited about who we have this week. Her name is Ava Bogle. She's a writer, a filmmaker, a comedian, and is a sex blogger at diaryofaslutyfeminist.com. As a comedian, she's appeared at the Comedy Store, the Viper Room, and Flappers, which are all really great theaters in LA, where she likes to talk about pubes, STDs, and feminism. Nicoletta and I both first found out about Ava through her one-woman show that we ended up seeing. It's called The Pleasure Project, and she plays five different aliens that attempt to convince humanity that the clitoris can save them. Which I think is very true. You think the clitoris can save humanity? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, let's hear it from Ava first. First of all, welcome. Emphasis on the coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was a great intro. I love it. Well, I mean, I honestly, when... Like in the middle of the show, I think I like reached over and grabbed Nicoletta's hand and I was like, I hope we can get her on Slice's Cars. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but as soon as we saw that there was like a mirror for everyone in the program to look at their own vulva or whatever they have down there, junk, we were like, okay, this is our person. We're in. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, first of all, tell us how this whole project came about. Well, um, a lot of my work is inspired by my anger and frustration with the culture mm-hmm. <laughs> that we live in and um, and wanting to sort of combat the sort of sex shaming, sex negative um, judgment of female sexuality that pervades and is everywhere um, in the world. But um, and I feel like with the current political climate you know we're fighting tight. yeah we're fighting <laughs> the um the you know abortion battle again and just all yeah. of that anger i wanted to do something and to me the sort of antidote to all the shame is pleasure and a celebration mm. of pleasure and my director rachel avery and i wanted to create this pleasurable experience w- for people you know full of music and dance and donut holes and Ugh. but you know with a message and the message to me is really important which i think is there's all this untapped female power in sexuality and i want to inspire and empower women to own it oh my gosh well that's what we're trying to do here so we're very happy what, about what that. i took away from the performance but what would you say is the biggest takeaway you would like others to leave with Yeah, I want I mean, you know, it's a comedy and I think it's very funny and I love that. And I but I also to me, it's like a medicine with a spoonful of sugar. Like there's there's medicine in there. There's a message that I want people to come away with. And I think it's that this stuff is really important. I think it's really easy sometimes to underestimate sex, sex in general, but particularly female sexuality. But I think that, um, you know, we see in, you know, I mean, extreme examples is like female genital mutilation or like women being covered because their bodies are shameful, you know, Mm -hmm. and in this country trying to limit our access to birth control and everything else. Mm -hmm. I think there's wanting to control women's bodies and sexuality. And I'm like, why? Because there's all of this power. And I think um, that's what I want people to come away with is realizing the incredible power that's there and that's mm-hmm. possible. And I yeah. think it I think it could change our culture. 
I think it really could too. I, I was thinking after I saw the show, it's kind of like an updated vagina monologues that I would love like high schoolers to see. So you mentioned the comedy in the show and it really is so fucking funny. And I kind of would like to talk about how you picked these five characters. I don't want to, we want to incur, oh, basically, uh, because the show is so fucking amazing, it got an extension and you can see it July 27th, 20, 23rd, 26th, and 28th. We'll give you all the deets after, but that's the whole reason that like we need to get this right now and right for you to go see. So we're not going to give too many spoilers, but I just want to talk briefly about how you picked each of the characters. So bring your friends, bring your partners, bring your parents, bring yes, your children. Bring everyone. Yeah, it's bring, good for everyone. Yeah, bring the people that the you would family. not <laughs> expect to want to see grandma. a play about clitoris. My grandma would like it. Yeah, your grandma would fucking love it. My grandma's going to see it. Yes. That's yes. so good. That reminds me of the time I was in the vagina monologues and I was the moaner and uh, my dad <laughs> came to see it. Did you know yeah. I auditioned pantsless for the vagina monologues? Like my freshman year. Did you have underwear on? No. You had you just had vulva out? Yeah. I was a freshman and I like I don't act or anything like that. <laughs> but they were having auditions for the that's vagina monologues. Everybody can be that's a vagina monologue. That's how you were overcompensating. That's like a, yes. Yes. You're like, I don't act, so I'm just gonna so just not wear pants. <laughs> Take my pussy out. Hey, that works for a lot of cats. I asked for consent. I was like, I was like, hey, I would really feel most comfortable. They gave us like three options of which one to do. I think I did the period one. Um, and oh, the flood. Maybe it was the flood. Oh. I can't remember. That's a good one. But I was, like, I was like, I was like, would you feel comfortable? Because I would feel most comfortable if I could do this monologue without my pants on. Were you <laughs> actually more comfortable without your pants on? I don't know. But how, I was like, this is you? a bucket list. This She's is a my fucking freshman, freshman. Year of college. So oh, I was wow. like, okay. And they let you? They were like, absolutely. So That's I did it awesome. and they seemed really into it. They were like, would you feel comfortable doing this on stage with no pants? And I was like, absolutely. Um, and I didn't get cast. <laughs> you didn't get cast at all? They didn't cast you after That's that? That's insane. It says, wow. it's so Eva Ensler writes that you're supposed to put everybody who wants to be involved in it. Well, so oh, really? Stanford, really 2009, up. you fucked up. Yeah. Just saying. Wow. And I think I would have looked great pantsless under the red Fuck yeah. stage lights. I know somebody who does look pantsless under the red stage lights Hello. right here. Who does look pantsless? <laughs> Are you comfortable doing that? You get a little, so spoiler alert, there's a little bit of, little bit of backside nudity. Tell it. Are you comfortable or are you, are you like Nicoletta and you're like, fuck yeah? Or is it scary? I'm, I really have no shame. I was, I was raised in a shame-free environment and I I'm really comfortable being naked I like my body I feel good um you know I mean I definitely have been doing more yoga than <laughs> usual knowing that I have to have full ass like out to in my show up. well just like I'm aware of it in my life that I am mm. like kind of naked on stage but um but no I feel good I like and that Merkin Spoiler alert, it's a there's great a Merkin. Merkin is like one that, of my favorite words. That my aunt made. So can for you, the, yeah, for, for those who don't, don't know, know what a Merkin is. It's a pubic wig. Mm. So I wear a giant pink Merkin in my show with glitter on it. And it's just my favorite thing. You should mass produce those. I know. I there's would buy so, one. There's so much merch people have suggested to me, like action figures of each of the characters. Yeah. Or like one body with like a bunch of like paper dolls, like a bunch of different outfits. Ooh. Ooh. Wait, we, I, we totally didn't even get to the five characters and how you picked them. That's my own fault. Bring it back now, yo. Okay, well, uh, I... Five hops this time. I started doing these characters four years ago. I made these YouTube videos of these characters interacting. So I don't remember how I picked them so it took a while truth. to develop them yeah well I mean I developed them back then and then I brought them back for this show got it amazing I yeah. really like the woman who gives uh oral to straight girls 
Yeah, Shell. Shell really blossomed during this show. She was probably my weakest link back when really? I was doing the videos. And I think because I had to work on her the most or she and I got some inspiration for how she talks um, from my yoga teacher. <laughs> and, um, and that like keyed into her. And she's, I feel good in her now. Would you say there's like a part of yourself in each one of the characters? Or oh, do yeah. They, oh, yeah. How do you think it can help other people maybe create these like parts of themselves? That's a really interesting question. I mean, my, my mom came to see the show and she was like, I can see like different stages of you in each of these characters, like through your life. Mm. Um, so they're very specific to me, which was why part of the reason it was really, it was scary to bring them out. Cause I was like, they're so they, it's like wacky and outlandish, but it feels so personal too. Cause it's so me. The yeah. Show. The whole show is just like me exploding on the stage. Well, speaking of personal, as we talked about earlier, whenever people come to see the show, I think in each program, there's a little like handheld mirror and not to give too many spoilers, but the point of it is talking about like doing your own genital self exam. So <laughs> exam or observation, observation, more, more like an observation, yeah. gazing, gazing instead of nasal you gazing. You should nasal look gazing. at it. You know, a lot of women never look at it. I think it's that, so surprising. Well, that story in the show is true. That 86 year old woman had never looked at it. And I was like, how do you go your whole life not knowing a whole part of yourself? Kind of an important part. Like a super and a super you know? complex part. Like I can understand if you like maybe never looked at like behind your ear i mean like, it's hard to get a good going angle on behind sometimes. your ear sure it takes some effort you know for sure to get down there maybe we could did you when was the first time you looked at yours i don't recall the first time but i would love to get tips from all of us here for people listening that they could maybe pause and do their own self-exam Ooh. Because I give I give this homework to a lot of clients of mine. We might have talked to like about look it at, in look past at. episodes. Yeah, but to do a self-exam. Well, it depends on what you have on hand. I mean, it's really easy just to lie down on your back and put a little mirror down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I actually find that lying down and having to hold the mirror, I like having both hands available for vulvar exploration. So you like a full body mirror? I, I either like to mirror. sit on the... F- so, um, oh, and, crouch and, over a mirror. Yeah, so like crouch over a mirror is a good way, I mm-hmm. think. Or um, if you're a small child and uh, thinking about holding coins in your labia, you're standing on your mirror. <laughs> that's what, that's that's what, what I did. Used to do. That's what I did. <laughs> We I'm talked about for it. a friend. We <laughs> talked about it in our first episode. It came up, so now it's out there. Um, <laughs> what I did as a as a young kid is I stood on my sink in the bathroom and kind of sat in the sink facing the mirror. Like I'm kind of doing it right now, like with my legs spread, and I could see everything. It was like a whole bathroom mirror. That's awesome. So I tell clients to you know find a position that's most comfortable. If you're someone who <laughs> doesn't have a lot of like physical you know mobility. Um, there's, you know, you can have somebody that you trust help you get in a position that, that oh, might yeah. work. So other people like bending over, um, and putting their like head between their legs and yeah. having a mirror like that. If mm. you have like a full length body mirror, like in your bedroom or something and you bend over and kind of like pull your cheeks and labia apart, you can see all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Or, that's a or laying, angle. On, like, a laying angle. on a couch and like putting, you know, legs up and around as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. When was the, do you remember the first time you looked at yours? I don't remember the first time, but I, I feel, feel like, like I was always checking it out. I feel like every time is like the first time because Ooh, it's just, that's so poetic. it's just like, I don't know. It's always amazing. It's always like this amazing sea creature. 
Mm. You're just so moved it's like a by your parts. Enemy. There's yeah, a, I'm always like, whoa. And one of my there's favorite. There's a whole world in there. It, it really, there That's really a line is. in my show. <laughs> I feel like I'm I do quoting myself. <laughs> Quote yourself. It's very worthy of quotation. Uh, I feel like when I look at, at my vulva, I always like notice something new too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like weird freckle or something. Yeah. Like a freckle or like an, where some of the words where it goes in. And I was like, oh, what's that indentation? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's why that feels good. Or just things like that. So, so many what, what can people express? So, yeah. That so many flaps. What can oh, people so- express who are look? What can people expect <laughs> when they are looking for the first I time? I would have no expectations. No expectations. What would you say? I mean... Yeah, presumably they've seen a vagina before, right? I don't know. They might. Well, not did have. your eighty-six-year-old friend has, has had she seen a vagina? I mean, that's a really good point because I think no, because she doesn't watch porn. I mean, that generation doesn't go on the internet and look at vaginas. Let's be honest. Yeah, you know. I also feel we've like we've seen a lot of vaginas <laughs> on the internet, but so I know a lot of people who haven't. I would say to expect that you're going to think that there's something wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, like when a lot of I've had people see it for the first time and they are freaked out that like something is wrong because right. they're like, this well, isn't in the right spot. Well, I, this, think, I can't find this. Yeah, and that's part of the the not talking about it and the shaming, I think, is like the not um, not thinking we're normal, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think just when we give, you know, our vulva or our vagina or whatever, just different names like private parts or hoo-ha cha-cha. or whatever, or cha-cha, Cha-cha. we're just totally ignoring that it exists and is like a super complex part of our bodies. Yeah, I call that out of my show as something that I really wish parents would stop doing is nicknaming their daughter's vaginas stupid names. Yeah, it's I'm true. Like, it's like you have a fucking vagina. Because it's like, what is the message then that it's that is a dirty word, right? And it's not. It's well, a fucking part of your body. And for boys too, wee wees, peepees, right, right. No, penis. Yeah, my my parents were very strict about using proper. I wasn't even allowed to say boo boo for a cut. It's like, no, you have a cut. You have uh, a cut. You have a vagina. <laughs> like, use your words properly. You have a cut, and you have a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dev. I wish Dev had said that. My mom. <laughs> you have a cut, and you have a cunt. Well, that's like a. Oh, never mind. So. <laughs> now I'm laughing at cutting cunts. Cut, well, cut and cunt, that's like a whole pun in Twelfth Night. You know, in, in Twelfth Night when... I do not know, but please tell okay, me. Okay, so in the Shakespeare play Twelfth Night, when, what's his face, Orsino is reading the fake letter from Olivia, and he's like, look how she writes her C's, her U's, her T's, and that spells cut, which also meant cunt back in Shakespearean times. So that Ooh. was a very body Shakespeare joke. Shakespeare was such a dirty oh, man. He got a lot in there. Lot, he got little. so much in there. Got so much a in body there. bard. Yeah. So you you said you were raised like feeling comfortable about your own body. Um, but is there anything that you would give for other people? Uh, tips of like how to really embrace that? Because on your blog too, you seem so open and honest and willing to be so vulnerable. How does how does someone get there? Mm. Um. Well, I would say that I think a way to um, stop the chain of shame is for women to acknowledge like I just I did these interviews with women about um, sex and sexuality and I used some of that material in my show and kind of like the vagina monologues and um, I just found that all women have like some foundation story of shame or trauma that sort of shaped them and mm. I think 
women, um, I think, acknowledging that and sort of and stopping that and stop passing it on to daughters, because I think it's unintentionally passed on down the lineage of women and then it's never um, addressed. So but on a personal level, um, I don't know, I think talking about things, I think um with my blog, that's what I try to do is open conversations. And it does make, I find people want to talk to me about, you know, all sorts of stuff that they, good friends of mine that I didn't, things I didn't know about them, Mm -hmm. you know, um, very personal things because I write honestly. So I think like talking about these things and that's a way to. So you're kind of trailblazing in this sense where you are so open and so comfortable and your blog you know Diary of a Slutty Feminist started in 2013 I went deep you did and deep cuts like, and like okay deep so what you know I'm, I'm thinking about in 2000 <laughs> um, so I, like there is an element of like trendiness to feminism right now I would I'd like to point out like I don't think there's anything wrong with that but it's definitely more okay to be a slutty feminist in 2017 than it was to be in 2013. And I want to know why you feel like, like why you were like, I am going to hold this torch and I'm going to put myself out there and like broad city does not fucking exist yet. And I'm going to talk about this shit. Well, I will say I had help because my mother is an OG slutty feminist. Yes. Bring her on the show. And she gave me a vibrator when I was 12. What? And um, she is a huge feminist. My dad's a feminist. Like I was just raised in a very open, shame-free, sex-positive environment. I wish everyone was so lucky. Yeah. Is that a very conscious decision on your parents' part? It was on my mom's part for sure because she was raised in in a great house but in a Catholic house and you know there was a lot of like there was a lot of rebellion against that um, from her and she you know she went to New York and sowed her wild oats and you know it was the seventies and um, she's she's like an old school feminist and I definitely learned a lot of my ways from her Mm -hmm. so I didn't find I want to hear about this 12 year old vibrator yeah not the vibrator that's 12 years old the person getting it what was it was it like a dildo or was it like a like a little like a bullet no it was from good vibrations in San Francisco it's even a good company too yeah and it was a um it was a g-spot vibrator um which you know, I didn't know what that was or how to access it. It was like this curved, bulky thing with like a little skirt around it. Like, were you, did you have your period at this point? Yes. I was just curious I if you'd say ever, yes. I, I was just curious if you'd ever put anything in your vagina. No, I hadn't. And I didn't put it in because it was like, it was massive. And, <laughs> you know, like, I didn't, I just like, it stayed on the outside. My oh, first, that must have felt so good. My but first I boyfriend never, got me my first one, and it was also like this cool. huge, massive one. Yeah. I hadn't put anything in there, and I was like, "There's just." I know no I couldn't even way. use tampons. I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, that thing's mm, not going." I in put there. tampons in before I had my period, so I would be ready when You're, it happened. Of course, you did. Yeah, <laughs> I like once walked up to my mother, and I was like, "Mommy," I was probably like ten, and I walk up, and I'm like, "Mommy, guess what?" She's like, "What, bear?" And I'm like, "I have a tampon in." She goes. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, do you have your period? I say, no, I just want to be prepared. That's awesome. My mom oh. got me those awful, well, I guess they're good for 
sustainability reasons but the ob ones that don't oh, no have an applicator. applicator and i didn't know how to put things in there and i'm on the phone with her crying on the floor like surrounded in like a puddle of tears and bleeding and, and like plastic screaming wrappers. and not knowing where to go <laughs> or how to put it in with these awful no applicators i know my mom started me on those too and i now looking back i'm like that's why it's so much trouble yeah so hard to uh, figure it I out just, like, took she took the training whoop. wheels off and she was like just go ride the big bro- big roll bike <laughs> ride or the big the g-spot vibrator yeah <laughs> wait so you you but you used it just for like pleasure out like did you know I did use it, but I never, I never had an orgasm until I had sex when I was seventeen. Wow! Like you, ha- when you say sex, you mean like penetrative sex? Yeah. And that made you come? Yeah. You come from P and V? I know. You're one of them. One of the few. <laughs> ah, I know. Out. I had a roommate like you once. <laughs> I know. So for people out there who don't know, only about thirty percent of women can come from. Vaginal penetration. Vaginal penetration alone. Mm-hmm. So if you're not experiencing Wait, so you it, there's came probably the nothing first wrong. time you had sex? No, not Because I feel first, like we can't no. share that story because then that tells people these I did lies not, when they're scared. When they, I'm I did not come the first time I had sex. That's not a thing that happens. I mean, maybe I don't, yeah. maybe for someone, but no. No, I mean, it, it took, happens it on took like a little HBO. while. Yeah, it took a little while, but, um, but yeah. And I think... Um, then I that's how I feel like you train yourself like how you I don't know I've had a lot of conversations with girlfriends about this like how you learn to come for the first time Mm. is how you make yourself come throughout your life like you it's like how you train yourself because like that's the way that I come most easily with with another person is is penetrative sex Wow. I've found that really true with clients I've worked with. And sometimes it's it's a real struggle because if they learn how to do it, you know, masturbating on their own and they're doing it a way that's, um, I guess, more able to do just by themselves, then they often really feel like they struggle with a partner. Like if they kind of usually get off like laying on their hands. Sure. Then they're like, how do I do this with a partner? Right. There's not space. So it's like sometimes relearning or being creative. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, and also just like knowing that there is this one thing that gets you off. And when mm-hmm. someone's doing something that's not that, you're like, oh, this isn't going to get me well, off. I think and it's you belief. don't like let yourself just yeah. like sit in you it. You have to believe in the female orgasm for it to, to happen. Be- you do have to believe in the female orgasm. It's like God. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have my, my first you have orgasm. You believe and then it's real. <laughs> I just saw the Book of Mormon, so this is feeling very apropos. Okay, great. <laughs> um, um, but it's so interesting what you say about like the first way you come because I mean I'm sure I came like as a kid because I like loved the shower head or whatever but I don't remember like everyone loves the shower everyone head. loves the shower but I don't have any recollection of being like oh this is an orgasm this is the climax I just remember like being like a puddle on the floor right but what I do remember is you know my freshman year of college and I had my period and so I wasn't having like penetrative sex with my boyfriend at the time um, and he just like rubbed my clit. Like, I think it was maybe even over my underwear. And that was like the first time I came. When you have your period, you're so sensitive. And I was just like, I was also a little high. So I was, it was my first time that I really had an orgasm. And I remember I was a little high. So I was scared that I would need to be high to have an orgasm again. Thank God I don't. But like, it was such an eye-opening experience. And then it was generally mostly from like, just like rubbing of the clit that like I came forever. I wow. think there's ways to rework it and find new pleasure, but I think it does take some practice and mm-hmm. some there is the mental orgasm. reworking too. Yeah. When yeah. The, Do you uh, remember your first orgasm? 
I don't I wouldn't say I can pinpoint like the first ever time. But I think my mom also I talked about this in another podcast, but my mom also like inadvertently got me my first vibrators <laughs> in the form of like sharper image back massagers. Right. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Yeah. So those were like I remember a series of time where I like you know, always brought that thing everywhere. She knew what she was doing. And even if I had like a, if I had like a babysitter with me on the trip, I would like tell them to leave because I needed, <laughs> I was like, I just need some alone time. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the first time that I was aware of like that, the feeling like I was in Hawaii and there were jets in the swimming pool. Oh yeah. And I did Those like cool run jets. up to my mom and was like, mom, oh my God, I just like discovered this amazing thing. And she was like, the jets. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the Jets. She was like, I know. Your I love knew. that you ran up to your mother. And t- How old were you? I think I was like 10 then. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad she was like, she knew and so supportive. <laughs> and she was like, in two years, I'll buy you a vibrator. I want to go back. I want to rewind a little to something yeah. Simone was saying earlier about like feminism, quote unquote, being um, trendy right now. And there was this there was this interesting thing I read in your blog that I would love to talk about with both of you, because I feel like we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but that's people paying for us um, on dates and also being like, quote unquote, independent, mm. like modern women. Because wow. this is something Such I feel really area. self-conflicted with. Yeah. So if you haven't, you know, we already said, check out check out her blog. It is Diary of a Slutty Feminist. Um, but there's this one article that talks about talks about STDs, I think. And, and it gets into like, I think, being upset that someone like didn't pay for a meal. And there's a lot of other stuff in there. Ah. But it was like... <laughs> it made me think because I went on a date with someone a long time ago and they said something like, yeah, I just don't understand like you women who, and I mean, I already knew I wasn't going to go out with You're this like, person You're like, you again. women, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <But I'm laughs> you like, women. I'm like, let me hear you out. Like, you have a nice smile. So um, it was something like, you know, you want to be treated equally and you want to have all this egalitarian thing, but then you also want me to pay for you. I love that how men jump to that. It's like... It's like all these other things like uh, it doesn't equal pay like all this stuff. But it's like you want me to pay for you. It's like that's the thing you're going to take away first. Right. Like that's the way we get to be equal first. How do do we feel about it? I don't I don't know. My my therapist is very much like a feminist, but at the Mm -hmm. same time also kind of likes these like standard gender roles in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and talks about like paying for your partner because it's nice to support each other yeah i mean i think i think there's an there's an equitable thing to be struck with that where it's like it's nice to treat someone and it's nice to be treated like i feel like there's a give and take there i certainly don't expect anyone to pay for me all the time and that also makes me uncomfortable but i do you know i think there's it's nice to have that sometimes Mm -hmm. and then it's nice to to do the other way. Like, I think that there's a dance to be done there. It's not so black and white. So I think like putting a fixed rule on it is like, why? You know? I like that whoever has more money pays. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. The thing. That's and just like, logistics thing. That's yeah. Whoever has more money pays. Sure. And um, it is statistically true that men make more money than women. So until we get <laughs> so equal pay. So they always pay, have more money. <laughs> so until we get equal pay, you can pay for my fucking cocktail. <laughs> Amen. And bar bites. I mean, in that specific instance with the STD, you know, I just felt like I 
and it turns out he didn't give me an STD, but I thought that he did. And I was the one that went to get tested. And I was well, there the was one so that much more made that our appointment story. to like get tested. And like I was driving the ship and I was just it was just like it was a mind fuck. And I just felt like after all of that, I wanted to feel like taken care of in that moment because I'm the kind of person that takes care of things all mm-hmm. the time. And I was like, why can't you just take care of this one thing this one time? You have a job. I don't. Let's do it. Like, you know? Yeah. But um, for sure. But, but also yeah. in in the more beginning of um, of your blog with Gaffer Guy, which may be like really far back. I did oh, not go Gaffer that far guy. back. Really far Who's back. Gaffer and Guy? Gaff, I, don't, I don't know Gaffer much about was Gaffer Guy. was my kryptonite for right. about <laughs> two years. Got it. Well, sorry to bring up Gaffer Guy. We've all had one of those. There's a post called right. Fuck You Gaffer Guy. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, there sure is. But you talk about how you weren't sure if you were dating or not dating, but he would always pay for you. So you think there's an element of that as well? Or or it's more just like unless uh, if you are date, if someone is paying for the entirety of the other person, regardless of who the person paying is, that's kind of a dating thing. Is that what it is? I don't know. I'm trying to figure I this mean, out. I mean... To be fair, that was also me of like three years ago. Mm. And it's been I would never date Gaffer Guy now. Like Gaffer Guy was an alcoholic, a bit of a a over drug user. And like just he was just like a real mess of a human pick now. (laughs) No. So I'm like when I'm looking back on that, that was very a very young Ava moment, you know, and um. But so even like the way that I think about dating and all of that stuff has evolved so much, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Have you had anyone that you've been dating or hooking up with come see this show? Um, no. I would be curious. I'm just curious how people have responded or if you've noticed right. some. Um, well, men are loving the show, which is so cool. Like women come out being like, I feel so empowered and inspired and thank you. And men come out being like, I learned things and I liked <gasps> this, even though so I'm a man. Great. You that know? is so good. And that I love, you know, that's great. And men of all ages too, like a really young guy came and said that and an like older guy came and said that. And so that's awesome. But no, to answer your question, um, I don't think so. I know once on a date, I would sometimes have to be like, who have I fucked in this room? (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. You and you and you. Sometimes it's so funny when you're in a room with multiple people that you've had sex with and like they don't know that like they're in a club. I know. I always know. I love those. I always live for those when I'm like, I've fucked three people in this room. (laughs) It's like, okay, I fucked two of you, but I sucked your dick. (laughs) I know. It's very satisfying. It's very fun. I mean, my ex-boyfriend came, but he's like a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and his mother is like the biggest fan of the show. She's going to come for a third time. Really? I kind of want to come again. It was like, don't we always want to come again? But, right. like, <laughs> I want to come again. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It really is so fucking good. Um, I am. But I want to come back to like the. Um, so you, you wrote this blog and this blog exists. It hasn't been updated in like a year ish. Right? I haven't been writing it so much lately. I'm assuming because you've been working on the show. Well, yeah. And I also haven't been having sex. <laughs> So is having sex a requirement to be a slutty feminist? No, but I need stories to write about. And I just Mm. like I've just been working. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've just my life is just work at the moment. Mm. What Um, are you working on? Well, this show has been very intense for the last, you know, three months or whatever, getting it together and now developing this show further. And 
the beginning of a journey that will go on. Is it secret plans or can we, you share a little bit no, about what your hopes are? I mean, I, I want to move it to another theater. I'd like to, I'm not exactly sure the extent to which I want to like tour it around or whatnot right now, but I'm looking at some ideas and um, have some potential irons in the fire. So we'll see. It's like, oh my it, gosh. it feels like definitely feels like the beginning of something for me. That's so exciting. How would you define slutty feminist? Um, everyone, that's for everyone, not just you. I mean, for me, um, for, for me, it's being sexual and being, um, feeling good in my body and like good about myself sexually and like taking, you know, celebrating pleasure and all of that, that is so connected to my feminism Mm. and my, um, my belief in what we need to to gain equality. Um, so it's so connected for me and slutty. I don't know. I feel like slutty is a word that I would like to take back in some senses. I think it's like sluts and scholars, you know, it's cool to be slutty. And I, and I think it's, you know, it's not, it's great. It's great to be slutty to me. That means you like sex and you own that and you're not afraid of it. Yeah, and one of our ashamed. guests, one of our guests on our podcast, Dirty Lola, she said, "Sluttiness is being unapologetically in love with your own sex life." That's great. I love that. I'll take that. Yeah, oh, you're you right, should, your own Lola. I see. I see slutty feminism. I guess is being empowered and feeling good about your own self and your own sexuality and your own femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think defining it as you'd like to. I think there's a lot of us hmm. out there. A lot of people out there who have strict views of like what is a slut or strict mm-hmm. views of like what it means to be a feminist. Yeah. Right. So. And also there's this idea that they're mutually exclusive. I've come up against that a lot, especially with like guys that I date and like bringing up my blog, which I started to do. Oh, certain, you do. At a certain point I started to like talk cause I was like, this is a, this is a inkblot test or whatever. Like if you can't deal with the fact that I write about this, then we, this will never work. Interesting. So let's just get that on the table now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, some of them, it was like, isn't that an oxymoron? Slutty? And I'm like, nope, goodbye. <laughs> oh, gosh. How, have How you, do they react? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since I went on a date and it's been a while since I like brought that up with anybody. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. The ones that what I love is when they're like, oh, cool. Like, it's interesting, like where it doesn't feel where they don't immediately feel like attacked by it or like Mm. or that it's excluding them in some way where where they're like, "Um, that's cool. Let's talk about that. Like that when instead of being like, oh, you're a feminist, you obviously hate me as a man. Right. Or Or, like, let's talk about something else. You know, when they like pivot away from it or they get like defensive Mm -hmm. or something. I know that's not. That's not for me, but mm-hmm. I love, you know, when they're like interested in it and they think it's like cool and like a conversation <laughs> starter, then I'm like, okay, this is. It definitely is a conversation starter. I mean, you are totally unabashed in saying this is who I am and you don't really spare details. Do you ever get. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, though, it can be a conversation ender. Yes. Oh. Too, as soon as they hear it, they're like, because, not going to touch it, that. Oh, yeah. one of those people? Okay. Do you think it has to do with. Um, you, Ava, being quote unquote one of those people, or does it have to do with their fear of being on the blog? Um, I think it's more about like what it says about me. Mm-hmm. I think. 
Mm-hmm. It's more like their idea about like someone what women should be. Well, also a woman that would write about her sex life and like without be a pseudonym. A feminist. Yeah, and is that I used, scary at well, all? Well, I was anonymous for several years writing the blog, and what then changed? I changed. I think I, the reason I was anonymous is for that reason is because I wanted to be able to write about people without them knowing or reading about it. Mm-hmm. But then I just wanted to like come out and and not, you know, hide because I'm really not ashamed and I'm not ashamed of my stories. And I'm I'm very I'm an open book, you know, and I wanted to sort of stand behind what I. Yeah, what I talk about. How did you do that? How did you make? How did you come out? And how did I you mean, make- I didn't do it in a very big way. I oh. just changed my Twitter to be my name <laughs> instead of slutty feminist. Like I changed all my social media and then kind of like called it a day. It wasn't like a okay. big moment. I think internally too. Yeah, like how to make that shift. But it sounds like it was always there. But there was still some sort of this maybe stigma or well it was also me wanting to have the blog be under the umbrella of what I do like I also do stand up and I also yeah. do a one person show and like you know not to have it all separate be like this is me this whole thing is me you know mm-hmm. um cuz it's part of my identity mm-hmm. as an artist so obviously that our purpose for creating this podcast was kind of t- to talk about how people are judged based on their behaviors and things. So once people knew it was you, or even if they didn't, just in terms of comments or feedback you've gotten, how do you feel like you've been judged at all for the material you've put out there? Mostly it's been really positive. That's um, great. Most people that read it, it's been very positive and people ask my advice and I'm like I'm not qualified to give advice but I'll <laughs> like tell what? you what I think <laughs> I wonder I mean, what kind of advice you've well, I've just had people I think because I write so openly people think that I know uh, you know that I have some information about dating and I really don't I'm really just at as much of a loss as anybody but I'm interested in in like the culture of it and mm-hmm. um, I like talking about that stuff but um, I mean, I've been trolled by a couple assholes, but mostly it's when I post something political and they're like, you little whore, <laughs> shut up or something, you know, and it's just. Oh, you only get to call me your little whore. I tell you, you can't. <laughs> so I don't pay much attention. I don't I don't get much of that at all. But and the. the little at all. Amount. That's pretty amazing. So. Because so, I'm just, I don't know. So you do, you said you do stand up and all of these things. So you you don't face any backlash from prospective employers or anything um, with how visible you are about talking about sex stuff. I mean, not yet. I mean, I That's think awesome. I think it's really changed a lot. You know, with you know, female like I mean, with Amy Schumer, like people like mm-hmm. this. I think it's it is becoming more mainstream and accepted to sort of put it all out there as a woman. I mean, I think obviously yeah, it's almost like sought after now in some ways. Yeah. I, think. I mean, we're obviously not totally there, but I work in entertainment in Los Angeles. I'm not in Oklahoma in a law office, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's I different. mean, not yet. Maybe I would, um, we're kind of in a bubble. Yeah. We, we're, a hundred percent in a bubble, a lovely cushy bubble that I love. Yeah, it's a good one. I love our bubble. But we have to recognize that it is one, which is a challenging thing. 
I wanted to, one thing that I want to talk about is the use of the word slutty because we were talking about how uh, you use slutty feminist and we're called sluts and scholars here. But I have to be perfectly honest and admit that like I'm still not comfortable with the word slut. Like my co-host. I know. I got to admit even it. Even you. Even even I, I am not comfortable with the word slut. And it's not so much that I, I lack the ability or comfort to call myself a slut. But to me, because it's a word that is still so like in some senses negative, like I whenever anybody refers to somebody else as a slut, I'm caught off guard. Like people still say that people still use that as an insult. I mean, I don't like when it's used in a derogatory sense, mm-hmm. um, but I think that applies to most things. Like if someone were like really upset with me and called me a cunt. Right. I would not like that. But if they were like, right. show me your cunt. And it was like in a right. sexy way, I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's different. Yeah, yeah, it is. Versus it is. like, I, yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, wonder where context. my issue comes from. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, I'm, I'm striving to be comfortable with identifying as a slut. I am, but it's, it's, it's challenging. It, for me, it's very challenging. And that's why I'm, as someone who is super comfortable about talking about sex, about sex that I have and about sex that other people have, I still don't quite understand why I am unable to be like, I am slutty. Fuck yeah. I just, I mean, I it's know. a loaded word. It's so loaded. And then, then I think it begs the question for other people, like, how do we, how do we define what slut is? Does it mean you have to have this many partners over this amount of time or whatever? But I think it's whatever you want right. it to be defined as. At least mm-hmm. it, that's the way I look at it. I look at it as like, I think people who are seen as enjoying sex and enjoying sex with maybe lots of people before marriage or whatever the construct is, is like a slut or because of the way you dress. So for me, it's being like, yes, I enjoy these things and you can call me whatever you'd like. I still enjoy them and I'm going to do them. Yeah, I am. I don't know. Because part of me, why don't you have all the answers? Uh, no, because part of me is thinking about okay, well, if you're identifying not not you, but if one is identifying as slutty, does that is there a link to being uh, more sexually empowered or not? I, I'm just trying to figure out like what it means if you are someone who is possibly sexually comfortable, but. Um, doesn't identify as slutty not i'm not talking about me specifically but in general what it means to like want to love fucking just your boyfriend and like having had that boyfriend for 12 years i think that you can still be a dirty slut with your one partner i just want to make sure that i'm just curious about what these (laughs) words mean i mean i think it's a self-identifying thing for me i Mm -hmm. think if you're self-identifying then you can self-identify as anything yeah like it's orientation yeah What's your Ooh, orientation, like slut? slut. <laughs> My orientation is slut, which means I like sex. I, get, I, I could get by that. I think it's yeah. also because it was a word that was used against me for so much in of a my negative life. way. Like, mm. so I well, don't know if there, you had that. I mean, there you go. No, I didn't, you know? Wow. And I think that's that's probably why you have a problem with it, right? Yeah. I mean, it there might be go. triggering for you. It definitely, I mean, yeah, I was called a slut like a lot as a, as like a preteen and a, and a young teen. Like there were like kids in my school. And were you, or was it just because you had big boobs? I mean, there's someone wrote in whiteout on this tree, uh, slut. 
like in fourth grade. Like you can't really wow. be a slut in fourth grade, right? God, I wanted to be a slut and they they just didn't know how slutty I was. In fourth grade? I, I don't know. <laughs> it, but yeah, I was like, how do you call? So I was I was like thinking about how that. How did you a feel when you ago. saw it? Partially proud and partially mad. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like, what are you talking about? I wasn't even thinking of the behavior that I was doing as sexual. Right. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, when someone else puts a label on you, that never feels good, I don't think. Mm-hmm. If you don't choose it. Yeah. And I think, I guess I see it then as reclaiming back something that on your terms. But yeah. that also means mm-hmm. that if you don't identify with a certain word, that you get to choose not to use it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel this pull towards mm-hmm. slut, I mean, even though you're on this podcast. <laughs> I do feel pull towards slut. <laughs> You're fired. Um, no, that you don't have to identify with it. But I also think it's it's great to reclaim a word back mm-hmm. as your own and be like, this is my definition on my terms, how I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, because to your point, I don't think it has anything to do with how much sex you have. OK, because I feel like I've always been a slut, like I always feel like a slut, even when I even before mm-hmm. I had sex and I haven't had sex now for I haven't had sex for like. Oh my God. It's been like six months. Oh my, your hymen We're grew taking back. applications. <laughs> <laughs> and I still, I still identify. I mean, yeah. I still feel like a slut. Yeah. But I don't, even when I'm not having sex. That's a good point. And to be fair, I'm not saying that I don't identify as a slut. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't, I'm not saying that I don't identify as a Ava, slut. do you want to, uh, <laughs> all right, I hear you're in need of a new co-host. Oh my gosh, just to be fair. It is not that I do we not identify as a slut. I'm simply admitting that I still feel discomfort at the word slut, even when I choose to use it myself and that's, I think that's vulnerable and we and are just we are sluts. So we're jokingly slut shaming with you against your non-sluttiness if but that I makes am any a sense slut. but I'm I think saying, a lot saying I'm a slut makes me feel nervous I think a lot of women have that though I think yeah. that's like that's good that you're talking about that I bet a lot of women relate to that absolutely so there hashtag relatable <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want well, as we're wrapping up, I just want to remind everybody that you can catch Ava's show in Los Angeles at the Met Theater on July 23rd at 7 p.m., on July 26th at 8 p.m., and on the 28th at 8 p.m. Um, your Twitter is at what? Ava Bogle. Because I'm sure all these people are going to want to find you. So let's tell them all the social needs you have. Twitter's at Ava Bogle, Instagram's at Ava Bogle, <laughs> and <laughs> come see the Pleasure Project at Rogue Machine Theater. It's really fun, and I wear a merkin, so. It's well, so we good. have so enjoyed having you on here. Like I said, we were fangirling out when we saw you on stage, and we are so lucky to have you in our studio now. So thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Sluts and Scholars. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. And if you have any questions or requests, feel free to shoot us an email at slutsandscholars at gmail. Don't forget to subscribe and review. Thank you.